I'm Donovan Kane. Welcome back to the podcast and this full-length audiobook presentation of Red Sin, book number one of the Sin series, written by New York Times, USA Today, and Wall Street Journal best-selling author Aletha Romig, and read to you by Samantha Prescott and Stephen Dexter. And now, episode 18 of Red Sin. Chapter 18. Julia. One more step toward his suite, and I changed my mind, quickly redirecting my destination. I'd enter Van's suite if and when he invited me. Van had opened his home to me. I wasn't going to snoop where I wasn't invited. For some reason, as I passed the other door in the hallway to my suite, I twisted the handle. It didn't move. The door was locked. A locked door was not an invitation. When I stepped through the threshold to my suite, I found all the rooms exactly as I'd left them. My clothes from last night were still strewn on a chair in the sitting room. The large bed was unmade. The towel from my shower was hanging haphazardly from the towel bar. It wasn't my lack of tidiness that made me smile, but that Margaret respected my wishes, the boundary that I'd set. At least one person in my new life could do that. Sitting in a large chair near the fireplace, I pulled my feet up into the chair, wrapped one arm around my knees, and touched the screen, calling my father's private phone. The sound of a ring was quickly replaced with my father's voice. Julia, tell me this is you. The desperation in his tone added to my newfound remorse at not calling him earlier. It's me, Dad. I've spoken to Mom, didn't she tell you? Where are you? I took a job in Ashland. The noise behind Dad's voice went away as if he'd left a busy room. He didn't address my answer, instead asking more questions. Have you looked at your emails? Tell me you care. Tell me you're not simply hiding when you could help. I put my sock-covered feet back on the large rug and paced back and forth before the fireplace, my stomach twisting with each step. I hadn't read the emails. Each turn had me facing the beautiful snow-laden bay and then away. Dad, I'm not caught up. What's happening? He let out an exasperated sigh. In the last week, the perceived value of Wade has dropped. I'm sorry. I've been a bit preoccupied by what happened with Skylar, and now with me. Julia, you must come home. Christmas is in two days. Come home and let me explain what has happened since you left. What does it matter what the perceived value of Wade Pharmaceutical is? There is real value. Julia, we haven't been as forthcoming as we should, given you're about to be more involved. The truth is that Wade has been having financial problems during the last few years. We've relied on loans to keep us going. The banks allowed us to borrow and borrow some more because the bank officials believed we could pay it back. With the new belief that we're sinking, the largest loan has called a balloon payment due by January 3rd. Our options are to make the payment or accept an astronomical increase in interest. How would combining McGrath's stock with Butler have stopped that? I asked, trying to understand. That union was a show of strength. Now it's even worse, we're under attack. What do you mean? I asked. Attack? Attack from whom? 
We don't know. Marlin brought it to me yesterday. Someone has orchestrated a calculated effort to accumulate Wade's stock. I knew who that someone was. In less than 24 hours, 21% was sold and purchased. That's a huge amount. While this could be a coincidence brought on by the cancellation of your wedding, we believe that the move was too coordinated. Marlin and I believe it has all been done by one entity. Right now, the buyer has hidden their identity under layers of shell companies. Was the cancellation of our wedding announced? I hadn't heard that either. Julia, are you trying to keep up with the world at all? He didn't let me answer. The business news outlets blasted your and Skylar's picture all over their networks. As soon as they did, the perceived value of Wade began to drop. It had steadied with word of your reconciliation. What reconciliation? Before I could ask, Dad went on. Then this large accumulation of stock by an unknown buyer, combined with the loan issues, is making the other stockholders nervous. We're back to bleeding capital, and we can't hide that. The 15% of stock that's currently held by single and conglomerate investors is vulnerable. If the bastard who rounded up 21% found a way to get that 15, he's not a bastard. I didn't lead with that. If he or they did, they still wouldn't have the majority, Dad. That would only be 36%. Marlin is worried, and so am I. I took a deep breath. Dad, don't trust Marlin. He was trying to get that 21%. He had a line set for sales on the 30th of this month. That would have taken him to 46%, 7% more than us. We would have had no choice but to go along with him on whatever deal he wanted us to take, including selling to Big Pharma. Seeing as Skylar would have voting rights to my shares after marriage, the plan was to screw us. How do you know this? I just do, Dad, I said, retaking my seat in the comfortable chair. Skylar didn't love me, and to be honest, I didn't love him either. Not in the way you should love your husband. Our marriage was a business deal, one that had been established since we were babies in the same crib. I don't think even Skylar knew the extent to his father's conniving. Hell, he was too busy impregnating Beth. What did you say? My father asked. I called off the wedding because I learned that my friend Beth is pregnant with Skylar's child. Your mother said you had cold feet. That was what Skylar said, she said. I looked down at my feet, clad in warm socks. My feet aren't cold, Dad. I'm not going to be Skylar's dutiful wife while he's screwing other people, and I won't be Marlin's pawn. Dad's voice softened. Little girl, I didn't know. Mom probably figured you had enough to worry about. She's asked me to come back and work everything out with Skylar. He doesn't deserve your effort, sweetheart. I'd give him a good piece of my mind if he hadn't left town. Isn't he back? I asked. Back? He came here yesterday, I said. I spoke to him briefly and told him to leave. I don't know. I haven't seen him. As I said, some of the news and social media has the two of you off together working through your issues. I guarantee that we're not. 
I spoke to him and he left. Julia, I need to be honest with you, Dad said. This could be it for Wade, and it breaks my heart. I've put my heart and soul into this company for you and your mother. I don't know if we can come back from this downturn. If this buyer isn't announced, and announced as a reassurance to maintaining and helping Wade Pharmaceutical, we'll be done by the beginning of the year. We can't meet the balloon payment, and we'll have no choice but to sell. You don't have any clue who this buyer was? I asked. Marlin has some ideas, but he couldn't prove it. He thinks it's a personal vendetta against our family. Your grandfather was selective when he chose the first investors. Some people wanted in and weren't offered that option. This could be a personal grudge that has been held since then. Marlin was right. It was personal. But Van's grudge seemed to be more with Marlin Butler than the McGraths. I grinned, thinking about the relationship between Van and one particular McGrath, me. It was definitely friendly. I'm not answering my phone, I said, but I'll watch for another secret email if you learn anything. I don't know how you know what you claim, but if you learn anything more, please call us. I will, Dad. I took a breath. I'm sorry about the expense of the wedding. Compared to what we stand to lose, the wedding isn't my biggest concern. You and Wade are. Wade is our family's lifeline. I don't want it to fail. Me either, Dad. Julia, now that I know what Skylar did, I'm proud of you, sweetheart. Kick his ass to the curb. Thanks, Dad. After hanging up the call, I sat for a minute in a quiet suite, trying to absorb all the information. Why hasn't Mom told Dad where I am more about the job in Ashland? Why hasn't she told me what was happening with Wade? Those questions and more were going through my mind. While Van's home was large, I was already getting a feel for the general location of different rooms. Off the main living room toward the south wing, essentially neighboring my suite, was the library. Being as the library contained both levels. My thoughts were on Wade Pharmaceutical as I mindlessly made my way back to the library and the information waiting to be deciphered. As I descended the staircase and headed to the left, I thought about what Van had said he did. Van said he bought and sold things. It would make sense that he'd buy low and sell high. If Wade's worth had dropped substantially since his accumulation of the 21% of the stock, it meant that Van bought high and the price was dropping. Van was losing money, as well as my family. Why would he want to do that? Did he know this would happen? I must have been lost in my thoughts and taken a wrong turn. Still on the first level in the south wing, I came to a tall set of double doors. Is it snooping if I accidentally find it? For a moment, I stood and listened for Margaret and Paula. I should have gone to the kitchen to see if they were done for the day. Instead, I turned the large doorknob and pushed one of the two doors inward. My eyes widened as I took in the splendor of the room. I hadn't found Van's bedroom suite. I'd found his home office. I was drawn to a table near his desk. 
My stomach sank as I picked up one picture in a silver frame. I knew the man in the tuxedo. It was the woman in the white dress that I didn't know. What the hell? You're married? The end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Red Sin, book number one of the Sin series. Written by New York Times, USA Today, and Wall Street Journal best-selling author Aletha Romig. And read to you by Samantha Prescott and Stephen Dexter. You can find out more about Aletha Romig and her books at aletharomig.com. Find out more about the show at steamystoriesforwomen.com.